Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's not often that a clip of CCTV footage changes the political landscape. But last week, that's exactly what happened. There is increasing pressure on the health secretary to step down from his position. The Department of Health will be investigating this quite rightly to understand how this was able to happen. Despite calls for Matt Hancock to be sacked, the Prime Minister stood by him. Downing Street said the matter was closed. The front page of every single national newspaper suggests otherwise. And his ministerial colleagues were sent out to defend him. I think there has been for a long time a complete difference between what people do in their job and what they do in their personal lives. But just a day later, it was all change. We are hearing in the last few moments that Matt Hancock has resigned as health secretary. Things have moved pretty swiftly from case closed to within 24 hours, the health secretary is gone. Those of us who make these rules have got to stick by them and that's why I've got to resign. What does the scandal surrounding Matt Hancock tell us about the way government works? And what does his departure mean for the NHS and the pandemic? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the fall of Matt Hancock. I'm Stephen Swinford. I'm the political editor of The Times. Stephen, they often say a week is a long time in politics, but sometimes it feels like an hour can be. I mean, take us back to last Thursday when Matt Hancock's political life completely changed. Talk me through what happened. So on Thursday evening between 5 and 6pm, he got a call from The Sun newspaper and The Sun had obtained footage, apparently from CCTV, in his office showing him kissing his aide, a senior aide that was employed by him at the taxpayer's expense. Now, ordinarily, that would be a sensational story in its own right, but the fact that this was clearly a breach of COVID restrictions gave it significantly more legs. Matt Hancock was suddenly staring at his political future and and feeling very queasy about it. On Thursday afternoon, less than an hour before the phone call from The Sun telling him about the leak of CCTV footage, Matt Hancock was taking part in a debate, ironically, on NHS data security. This data 
is incredibly personal, full of facts that may harm or embarrass if they were leaked. It could be life-destroying. Well, thank you very much, Mr Deputy Speaker. The data will always be protected in the secure environment. I piloted through this House the Data Protection Act. And for Matt Hancock, this was a particularly difficult story because he is the guy that's been out there on our televisions, on the radio constantly. He loves doing the broadcast rounds. Uh, And he's been the guy that's been saying, don't hug your relatives. And when Neil Ferguson, Professor Neil Ferguson of Imperial College, breached lockdown rules last year to see his lover, he was one of the strongest to be out there condemning him and suggesting that the police should investigate. Professor Ferguson is is a very, very eminent and impressive scientist. Uh, and um, his, the science that he's done has been an important part of what we've listened to. But clearly, the, the social distancing rules are there for everyone, and they're incredibly important, and they're deadly serious. I'm not allowed to get involved in the operational decisions of police matters. So it felt pretty extraordinary that he himself had been breaching those very same restrictions. Do we know what happened once he got that phone call? So what happened next is conversations took place with the Prime Minister and Boris Johnson gave him his full and unmitigated backing. He accepted the point that it was a private matter, was his was the argument that Matt Hancock was making, and that the breach was a breach of guidelines and not the law, a point which is contentious itself. But then it wasn't just political this, so he got the Prime Minister's backing and he then went to tell his family. Now, his wife, Martha, knew nothing of this. His family knew nothing of this, so he had to tell them, which was incredibly difficult for the whole family and incredibly painful for his wife of 15 years and the mother of his three children, Martha. So it was simultaneously politically devastating and personally devastating because the consequences of his actions coming home to roost almost immediately. I mean, that must have been an incredibly difficult conversation. How did it take so long, though, from that moment of having to tell the Prime Minister, having to tell his family, to resigning? I think part of the issue here is that Boris Johnson doesn't like being pushed around. He stands by his ministers and he takes pride in being loyal to them. So he stood by Robert Jenrick when there were questions over his relationship with property developer Richard Desmond. He stood by Priti Patel when there were questions over her treatment of staff and and allegations of bullying. He stands by his people and he himself still resents the fact that he was sacked all the way back in 2004 by Lord Howard, the then Conservative leader for an affair with a spectator journalist. Did you mislead Mr. Howard? Have a beautiful day. Thank Did you. Did you mislead Mr. Howard? I have absolutely no comment. Are you no, going, I didn't. No. Boris, are you going to save your marriage, do you think? I'm going to do whatever I can to say. I've got to lock me out. Do you think it's unfair that uh, you've been uh, removed from the front bench? <laughs> I think <laughs> all is for the best in the best of all possible worlds. Uh, would you all kindly? Pop it. Yeah, pop off, exactly. You said, he said bog off, not me. And he felt that that was very unfair at the time, and he still thinks that to this day. Now, in his own mind, I'm told that Matt Hancock wasn't quite as confident as Boris Johnson. The pictures that we saw were of an encounter on May the 6th. On May the 11th, my family buried my daughter. 300 of our family and friends turned up online, but most of them were not allowed to be at the graveside. Now, the next time one of you tells me what to do in my private life, explain to me why I shouldn't just tell you where to get off. 
But look, I, I absolutely accept and understand the He saw the huge level of public opprobrium that was coming his way, but he did think that there was a way he could kind of fight this out by arguing that it was a breach of guidelines and not a breach of the rules. That very, very rapidly unravelled on Friday and on Saturday when every national newspaper came out against him very strongly. Let's bring you up to date with tomorrow's front pages, the Daily Mail. It says Boris Johnson faces an overwhelming clamour to sack his health secretary. The Daily Mirror questions why the Prime Minister hasn't already sacked him, while the Times carries the results of a snap survey by YouGov. A YouGov poll found that 49% of voters believe he should resign. And on Saturday morning, you saw the first Tory MPs starting to put their heads above the parapet and say, is this another Barnard Castle? Duncan Baker told the Eastern Daily Press, in my view, people in high public office and great positions of responsibility should act with the appropriate morals and ethics that come with that role. It very rapidly escalated, and by Saturday lunchtime, he realised that he had to go. I've been to see the Prime Minister to resign as Secretary of State for Health and Social Care. Those of us who make these rules have got to stick by them, and that's why I've got to resign. Now, going back to to Thursday evening, as that story was breaking, talk me through the reaction in the lobby amongst the political journalists when that story broke. What did you think? First of all, I didn't know that ministers had... I've never seen CTTV in a minister's office, so the images themselves were extraordinary. The second thing, when you look at it, is a lot of these stories don't get told now because there are important uh, protections of privacy, that kind of stuff, which makes them less newsworthy. It's not like it used to be where there was a lot of coverage of ministers having affairs on a moral basis. But the point was that this wasn't as much a moral question. Obviously, there are moral questions in it, but it was a very clear breach of the lockdown rules. And that is actually the law. And for you, as a, as a political journalist in the lobby, what do you do when a story like this breaks? I mean, who are you on the phone to? The key thing as a journalist looking at this story is to try to get an understanding of what's happening here. So the first question that I had when the story broke on Thursday that I tried to establish was, is this a one-off fling? Is this done? So I was told two things in response to that. I was told that it was a new relationship, that they'd started seeing each other in May, but that they go back a long, long way. And they go back all the way to Oxford University and they've been very close as friends for many, many years. Indeed, he met his wife Martha around the time that he also met her. So they knew each other very closely. We met at the student radio station, Oxygen FM. I read the news and Matt read the sport. That's Gina Colladangelo speaking to BBC Radio 4 last year. I've always joked with him that he did the sport because he wasn't good enough to do the news. <laughs> but I think it gave him a bit of an early heads up into aggressive questioning from journalists and hacks. And then the second thing which I learned later in the day on Friday afternoon was that it was serious. This wasn't a fling, I was told, that they were talking about setting up home together. The Department of Health were on complete lockdown over this, forgive the phrase. They weren't responding, so I put the question to them repeatedly that afternoon and and I said, I'm told this relationship is serious, I'm told that they're staying together. Is that the case? And I was just met with silence. So we ran that for Saturday's paper and indeed that turned out to be entirely accurate, that they were in love and that they are setting up home together. Now that is an extraordinary 
combination of things. It means that Matt Hancock has basically chosen this new woman in his life and he's chosen this relationship over his political career, over his family and three children. And that, that is, I've never seen anything like that in politics. I mean, that that is quite something, particularly if, as you say, they only started really dating in May. I mean, that's a, a few weeks in, really. So there are questions about whether they started dating in May. I'm told that it was in May and, you know, we'll, there'll be more reporting on that, I've no doubt. There'll be suggestions that they were seeing each other before that. There's particular pictures of them looking very close at different conferences and she also had an instrumental role in Matt Hancock's ill-fated leadership campaign when he stood against Boris Johnson for the Tory leadership. So there may be questions around that. And when you saw that footage and when you saw this sort of story breaking, I mean, as you say, the, the, the footage is unlike anything we've ever seen before and clearly must have come from a leak within the yes, Department of very, Health, somewhere very yes. close to him. I mean, was when you saw that, was Matt Hancock the sort of man who had a lot of enemies? What, what was your instant thought? Matt Hancock does have a lot of enemies in politics because we've had a massive debate in government between what were branded in a binary way, the hawks and the doves. Actually, the reality is more complex than that. But there were those like Matt Hancock that wanted the lockdown restrictions that were much more cautious throughout this process. And they incurred the ire of a lot of Tory MPs. And there were others that were much more liberal and wanted to ease these restrictions. They were kind of anti-lockdown. And that that battle played out in Cabinet. Boris Johnson was definitely on the side of those that were opposed to lockdown measures. And he arguably was proven wrong over time. So Matt Hancock in that process didn't earn many friends. He had been under immense pressure. Dominic Cummings, the Prime Minister's former chief advisor, had gone out publicly and branded him a serial liar. I think that the Secretary of State for Health should have been fired for at least 15, 20 things, including lying to everybody. The day before all of this broke, Matt Hancock had been to see the Queen. It's been 15 months. I'm and she had described him as that poor man. Uh, so even the Queen felt sympathetic towards him. But yeah, that's the quite fact- something, isn't it? It's quite something, and he'd been under immense amount of pressure. Now, Boris Johnson had stood by him, arguably for for selfish reasons during that period as well, because any criticism of Matt Hancock's handling of the pandemic is simultaneously a criticism of his handling of the pandemic. And some people have suggested that he was intent on keeping Matt Hancock around as a human shield for when the inevitable public inquiry starts next year. Now, that may be true, that may not be true. I mean, talk me through that, because... Even after the evidence was given and and suddenly the the text messages started to be released, you know, sort of showing the Prime Minister saying words we couldn't possibly say on the podcast. Dominic Cummings has published a WhatsApp message that apparently shows Boris Johnson describing the Health Secretary Matt Hancock as hopeless, totally expletive hopeless. Did you really think Matt Hancock was useless, sir? Why didn't you sack him? There was also sort of an implication there that he had already considered sacking him or replacing him with somebody else. Why wasn't Matt Hancock fired earlier? It's very difficult to know why Matt Hancock stayed in place given that. I mean, my best guess is that they were in the middle of a pandemic and that to fire your health secretary at the height of a pandemic would only have added to the chaos and would only have added to 
making more things more difficult. When his downfall did come, I mean, it's, you know, despite all the questions about his competence beforehand, what eventually led to his losing his job was completely unexpected. Do we know how the son managed to get hold of this footage? We don't know exactly. I mean, the suggestion is that it was uh, a ring-in. So a ring-in is when somebody has some information and they ring it into a tabloid newspaper and they say, look, I've got some dirt here. There are suggestions in the weekend papers that this was being touted around, that this footage was out there and people were trying to sell it to anti-lockdown activists. And it obviously eventually went to the Sun. I don't know who gave it to them, but the main theory is that a security guard saw it and then it somehow got disseminated on WhatsApp and somebody who received that video sent that video on and that was how it got out there. But all of that is part of a quite limited Department of Health investigation at the moment. The security services are considering looking at it, but they're not doing so yet. And I can tell you that from where I sit today, there is a lot of concern in Cabinet about this, that Cabinet ministers are looking at their offices, they're looking at their ceilings, they're trying to work out, are there security cameras in here? Is anyone listening to my conversations? Because there are huge security implications to this. So Sajid Javid is the new health secretary. He turned up for his first day at work in the new post, and I'm told that the CCTV camera was still there. So Mr Javid and his advisors had to order it to be taped up with black tape. Now, he was told that it had been turned off, But you couldn't trust that as a Secretary of State. But at the same time, the government has got to be careful about talking about getting the police involved, etc. Because ultimately, you could very reasonably argue that this was a whistleblower. And therefore, does the government really want to be seen to be attempting to deploy the full force of the police and the security services into investigating a whistleblower? That's, That's, That's much more difficult. That's a really important point. Should we take anything from the fact that there were anti-lockdown sceptics who were trying to disseminate some of this information? You know, is this somebody who was blowing the whistle? Is this somebody who didn't like Matt Hancock because of his stance on COVID? I can't say what the motives were, but obviously if you're talking to anti-lockdown people then you're thinking maybe they can help you to put it out. I, I just can't speak to why they did that. Yeah. You know, as you say, this is a private affair, but it does have very important implications on public life, which is what The Sun has argued in putting forward the story. You know, there is a public interest in it, partly because, as you said, Matt Hancock broke the rules that he'd helped to make. And partly also, though, because the woman he was having an affair with was appointed to the board of the Department of Health as a non-executive director. Tell me a bit about her and and the position that she was given. So she was given a quite senior role at the Department of Health as a non-executive director. We are told that Matt Hancock, the health secretary, deferred to her on all sorts of matters. And that's everything from important policy decisions, as they were discussed, to matters of his appearance. I, I was told that she often helped him make sure he was out going out in the right ties and that kind of thing. And it, it, there are parallels with George Osborne on this, actually, who... Uh, ended up marrying one of his former aides called Thea Rogers. And and she, again, did a lot of work on his image. She was by his side on a daily basis. And they are together now. And and I think she's having a a child or, or, or is certainly expecting. So they were inseparable in work. And that obviously bled into their private lives. But there were people that we were talking to at Department of Health who were very questioning of her role there. They didn't understand why she was there, what she was doing there, why she wielded so much influence. One person said to us, 
it's a pandemic. When you go into the room, you know pretty much what everyone in that room is doing. It's a pandemic meeting. And then she's there and she has all this influence and power. And we don't really know where she's coming from or anything about her. I mean, how normal is that? Very unusual. So just to give you the background, she was previously a lobbyist. She worked for Luther Pendragon. She still has significant shareholding in that company. And if you're a shareholder in a company, you obviously have an interest in that company's performance. We can't say that there's a direct conflict over that, but there's certainly concerns around that link. She has left her role at the Department for Health and is no longer doing that. We don't know her whereabouts at the moment. We were told that it was a rented property somewhere in West Sussex, ahead of setting up home with the the, the former health secretary. So we'll have to see where she ends up. Coming up, what will the appointment of the new health secretary mean for our approach to the pandemic? But first... Hi, I'm John Witherow, editor of The Times. Thanks to you, we get to cover the broadest and most important daily news stories. To enjoy more remarkable stories every day, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times and get one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Matt Hancock and his former aide, Gina Colladangelo, have both resigned from their positions in the Department of Health. But for Boris Johnson, the questions about his leadership continue. You're getting ministers and Tory MPs questioning Boris Johnson's judgment over this. They're saying, why didn't you sack him? You've left it to us to kind of go out there and make the running on this and make it clear it wouldn't be acceptable. We're told that 80 MPs plus went to the chief whip and said that Hancock had had got to go. So why didn't he do that? Why didn't he have the strength to do that himself? And the other thing they're particularly concerned about is 
Boris Johnson wrote a very nice letter to Matt Hancock after he stepped down, in which he extolled his role during the vaccination programme and his work during the pandemic kind of lauded him for that. And at the end of the letter, he made clear that there was a route back for him. And I'm told that when Matt Hancock met the Prime Minister in Chequers on Saturday, he made very, very clear that there was a path back to him, to the Cabinet one day. Now, ministers and MPs are looking at that and asking, why on earth are you doing that? The question people are asking me is, does this mean that everyone is completely unsackable, which the opposition is kind of latching onto as well? Yet again, Boris Johnson was too slow, too weak and didn't show the leadership that was needed. And when the many people who've made huge sacrifices during this pandemic see this, what they see is one rule for them and another rule for those close to government. The Prime Minister's spokesman that day had a very set line and he just kept to the line that he considers the matter closed. One of my colleagues that works for the Daily Mail, he, he described it as contemptuous and others did the same. Now, the wider question is whether that has any further cut through with the public. I think the truth is a lot of people just don't like the PM. Robert Buckland, the Justice Secretary, was on the airwaves making that point. They can't get over the fact that he is popular in the country and liked in the country and has won a resounding election victory. And he was basically arguing that, well, actually, you say this matters, but we've had the Hartlepool by-election. We did really well there. We've got an 80-seat majority and people like us. One of the revelations that's come out of this story, we saw it in the Sunday Times this weekend, was that Matt Hancock seems to have been using a private email address for government business. Could you explain why that matters? It means that there's no audit trail. The wider significance is, obviously, there is an inquiry that is going to pick apart what has happened during this pandemic. That inquiry is going to have access to Department of Health email addresses and people's inboxes. It is not going to have access to Gmail. And it's not going to have access to the WhatsApps, the Signals, the Telegrams. And actually, the way government is run these days... Very little of it happens through official email addresses. It is all happening on iPhone apps and and Android apps that have military-grade levels of encryption. And that's a problem when you are trying to learn the lessons from this pandemic, because you may never know. Have you, Prime Minister, ever used your private email for government business? Uh, I don't comment on uh, how I conduct government business, but I can tell you... Is there a sense that by resigning, he's sort of slightly drawn a line under the affair... Will it stop journalists, for example, still hunting, going over the contracts he signed, the questions that we never quite answered about the appointment of the woman he's now in a relationship with? Does that all of that sort of slightly go away? I don't think it does. And it will only come back into more focus next year because we're obviously going to be having this public inquiry into it and all these questions are going to be just as valid then as they are now. So I think the press has a really important role to play and we'll definitely keep doing that. So there are questions still to be answered for Matt Hancock. But what should we make of his replacement as health secretary, Sajid Javid? A former chancellor, he bowed out of Boris Johnson's government back in 2020. I was unable to accept the conditions that he had attached. It was a requirement that I replace all my political advisers. I don't believe any self-respecting minister would accept such conditions. Sajid Javid obviously has a background in the Treasury, so he'll be very aware of the pressures on the economy. But do we know where he stands on lockdown? 
he's definitely been anti-lockdown. So I imagine those arguments will be much more to the fore. And it's worth noting he gets on very, very well with his successor in the Treasury as Chancellor Rishi Sunak. And they both come from a very similar place. So actually, I think the case for easing the lockdown has got a lot stronger in government. Order. I'd like to congratulate Sajid Javid on his new appointment. No date we choose comes with zero risk for COVID. We know we cannot simply eliminate it. We have to learn to live with it. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, from the insights that we've had into what's been happening behind the scenes in Number 10 in Whitehall over the past year, it has often felt like it's sort of Matt Hancock on one side and Rishi Sunak on the other. That dynamic obviously completely changes now. Apart from lockdown and and COVID, what other impacts will it have? I mean, social care, for example, is very much in the air. Do we know where Sajid Javid is likely to to stand on that? So Sajid Javid has got the unenviable position of well, where am I going to find the money for this? Boris Johnson wants to fix social care. He stood on the steps of Downing Street after winning the election in December 2019 and said... So I am announcing now on the steps of Downing Street that we will fix the crisis in social care once and for all with a clear plan we have prepared. I'm going to fix social care. This will happen. I'm going to do it. And they've committed to doing that by the end of this year, coming forward with that solution. We still haven't seen anything on it. Jeremy Hunt, welcome. You had six years and you weren't able to solve the social care conundrum. How long does Sajid Javid have? Six months, because the government has said they will do it by the end of this year. And uh, I know Sajid will want to honour that promise. There had been rumours for some weeks now about Sajid Javid making a return to Cabinet. All of those rumours are always accompanied by the name Carrie. And Dominic Cummings in his tweet also claimed that Carrie had effectively appointed Sajid Javid. Let's go to one comment that we we couldn't really ignore. It's Dominic Cummings. And he tweeted, So Carrie appoints Sarge. Note, if I hadn't tricked the Prime Minister into firing Sajid, we'd have had a Treasury with a useless Secretary of State. Sajid equals bog standard equals chasing headlines plus failing equals awful for the NHS. Need hashtag regime change. Um, he's got this very boomer energy doing a hashtag regime. Like, that's not a hashtag, but anyway. Is there any truth to any of that? So it is definitely true that Sajid Javid and Carrie Johnson, as she is now, they get on very well. He was one of three cabinet ministers that attended her 30th birthday, for example. The other two were Michael Gove and Boris Johnson. She previously was an, acted as an advisor for him, and they, they worked very well together from, from what I'm told. But on the other side, I'm told that he got this job because he literally was the most experienced person out there. He'd done four other cabinet roles. He's got the stature and personality to lead this. I'm also told that Carrie Johnson was unaware that he had been appointed until the appointment was actually made. So, yes, she'd have wanted him. Does that mean that she directly appointed him? I think that could be over-egged, but Dominic Cummings is certainly asserting it. When we look back on this moment, you know, in a year's time or so, what do you think will be the most meaningful knock-on effects of that affair? I think it's a question of what happens next. And I think the big debates to come are the July the 19th easing of lockdown restrictions. So will we go, as is the current plan, maximalist on that date, or won't we? And if we do, as expected under Javid, I think there will be people asking if that would have been the same if Matt Hancock was Health Secretary. 
I also think mm. that there's one hell of a debate to come on travel. And where we end up on that, a lot of it could come down to where Sajid Javid is. He could be the difference maker in this debate from now on. So if we end up kind of full-scale unlocking on the 19th of July, if we end up with foreign travel, I think the question people might ask is, in a parallel universe, if Matt Hancock was still Health Secretary, would that be the same? And I think for all of those ministers who have behaved poorly in the past or broken the rules, they will think twice about doing so again because to kind of get exposed once for it is bad. To make the same mistake twice would be, you know, really disastrous for them. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Times political editor, Stephen Swinford. You can read all of Stephen's reporting at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were James Shield and Chris Hemmings. The executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you'd like to get in touch with any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do send us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do leave us a review. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.